Welcome to Pirate Living Podcast. We are your hosts, Karan and Kristen. On this podcast, we are highlighting ordinary people living extraordinary lives. These are pirates who take small, bold actions daily to create social change. Pirate life is all about rebelling and breaking the rules for good. Creating lasting social change starts by first breaking our inner rules. After all, the hardest rules to break are your own. The pirates we highlight have dedicated themselves to creating good trouble. Today on our podcast, we are talking with Alex Barker, Pirate Queen. Alex is the community leader of Be More Pirate and co-author of How to Be More Pirate. She guides people to starting their own pirate rebellions. Alex is all about breaking the rules to create real change. She disrupts the status quo in order to get people to create real movement. Alex is here to guide you on how you can be more pirate. So Alex, we're thrilled to have you here today. Uh, Thanks so much for having me. (laughs) (laughs) Absolutely. As a modern or as a leader of the modern day pirate movement, um, will you lay out the tale for us of what led you along your, your own pirate journey and how did you get involved with the Be More Pirate movement? Yeah. How, how far back do you want me to go? Oh, <laughs> as early as you want. We've got time. <laughs> well, uh, you know, I sort of, I, I do, I do want to start um, before what I co- like to call, um, you know, the, the point where I went to sleep for a while. So I, I think the, the moment when I really started to think about the way that the world worked, which is, you know, the, the systems that we operate within, um, the status quo, what is it, was when I was really at university and I switched from studying literature to studying politics. And I specifically did you know, what we call here international relations or global affairs. And um, I you know, was very much schooled in sort of neoliberalism, like neoliberal thought and the kind of standard theories that you get taught um, studying international politics. And I can't remember thinking they didn't make a lot of sense to me necessarily, um, but you don't, re- I didn't really question, you know, I didn't think I had the, com- I didn't, definitely didn't have the confidence, but I didn't have the authority to question the textbooks that I was given or the tutors that I had or anything like that. I just remember thinking I had different ideas, um, but I ended up falling into studying Middle East politics, which is a bit of a baptism of fire for political thought, especially as it was during the Iraq war and, and everything and um at the end of the course I I went to the Middle East for a while just because which sounds sounds scarier than perhaps it was um at that point it was pre the Syrian war and it was actually quite it was quite a well-trodden backpacker trail you could go on if you went around like Jordan and Lebanon and, and Syria and parts of Israel and Egypt and Palestine and um it was actually a lot of fun and I quite, you know, I was, was always quite adventurous. So I just wanted to do something a bit daring or different. And, um, but I also really, really wanted to try to understand the country from, from, I guess, the people's perspective. That's always been something that's interested me that I didn't quite take for granted what I was being taught through theory and through, um, you know, yeah, through the textbooks and um, what I'd learned at university so I really wanted to go and you know just see from my with my own eyes I think that that sense of experience is so important in learning although at the time I didn't really know what I was doing I was just like oh, I'll just go on this trip and have fun and 
you know not get a job because <laughs> I didn't want to so but also it was also to do with the financial crisis at the time it was 2009 I came out of university and it didn't really feel like I had much of a shot at getting a job anyway so I thought you know at least I can add something different to my CV um, but what it did really was with all that traveling and looking at the world um, and actually getting quite close to some of the conflict um, whether that was a good or bad move at the time, I don't really know. Um, but it, I came back and I thought, I really want to work in international development. I want to do something that is going to help solve some of these, these problems that I'm seeing. I started to understand in more depth inequality, because I think in my course, I'd studied it from a theoretical point of view, but now I'm starting to get into some of the, um, you know, people who were talking, critiquing the system mm. and so I worked for a campaigning organization um, called Global Citizen um, when they were just setting up in the UK and we did some really really interesting campaigns I remember reading a book called Half the Sky which was all about gender inequality and it, but it was all stories this is an, another thing that really fascinated me because I had this background in literature I was the, the coming at the problem through storytelling I just thought this is the this is the key this is how you get people on board with solving problems and tackling the system, challenging the status quo. So I was really like pumped up when I was about 23. I was like, yeah, I'm gonna change everything. Um, even though I didn't quite know like what my skills were, what's, what I could possibly add to this, <laughs> pretty much nothing at the time. Um, I just kind of got involved. But I guess over, over a couple of years, I got a bit worn down by finding it very hard to get consistent paid work. I tangled myself in knots about the the complexity of it all and I felt very overwhelmed by how bad certain things were like when I really looked into some of the problems around um things like trade inequalities and and how why poor countries were, were being kept poor mm. I just felt like miserable actually I felt like how am I gonna what role could I possibly play what what could I possibly do here what impact could I have I you know I'm just a you know young girl I don't I don't know anything and you know eventually I just I got a job in a charity that I I thought was good and it was good enough and I thought well at least I'll stick within the charity sector and I'll try and do something and I'll try and learn some skills and but but in truth I, I probably just went to sleep a bit I think I got too overwhelmed by the by the scale of the problem mm. and thought I'll just try and live my life comfortably um, but the thing is, you can't really kill your own desire or passion, I think, or, or interest in something, you, you know, it, it just dulled for a while. And so it was always kind of like dormant. And I, and I s ended up just going through the motions for a long time. Um, yes, I did learn some really, really valuable skills in my job. And I'm, I'm grateful for that. Um, I became a communications manager. And so I learned a lot, you know, I was still interested in communication as a, as a core to making change, but I just didn't quite know what I was doing with it. Like, I, I, I didn't think anything I was doing was really having any impact on anything. And I just got to a breaking point um, around 2018, um, in both in my personal life and in my professional life, where I just thought, what the hell am I doing? <laughs> really, like, I, I couldn't, <laughs> I couldn't... Um, if I thought if I go on any further like this, I'm, I'm gonna, you know, I'm gonna get like, sick. Like I think I'm just gonna, I'm gonna become depressed and 
And so I had to just just take like some big risks or what would be considered. I didn't think that they were that risky, actually. I think internally I knew like this isn't actually the risk. The risk is staying where I am. Mm -hmm. But for, for the act to the outside world to perhaps people who were close to me, I felt like it felt as though I was changing everything at once. And that mm -hmm. was volatile. Um, but I went off and I, I took a break from my job. I didn't even quit it straight out, to be honest, although I had it in mind that I wouldn't go back. I just took a break. I went traveling again. I took myself off to the Far East alone and just thought I'll figure it out. And I left my relationship and um, and, I, and I did figure it out. And I came across Be More Pirates. Well, I downloaded it as one of the many books I downloaded on my Kindle. And I just thought, well, probably this, this seems like something I need to be be more pirate. Um, <laughs> I remembered seeing Sam come to talk because where I worked, we would have authors come and talk about their new ideas all the time. And I think I remember, I remember him coming, but not paying much attention to it because I was so brain dead from everything. And then picking it up and realizing it was going to be about social change and, and feeling that I just couldn't handle that at the moment. I was like, I need something to help me before I think I can help the world in any way, shape or form. I need to pick myself back up. And so I, I sort of discarded it for the, for the, for a moment. And then I, it was when I saw a job advert for a right-hand pirate that I came back to it. Um, because at that point I'd sort of, I'd already started working for another author kind of by chance, or again, serendipity that kind of came in and at the right time. And so I, I almost had this, could see this new path emerging. And then this other author came up with an almost similar job, but much more in line with my, previous work and my interests and desires I thought I just remember I was on a transit bus at, at an airport in Vietnam and just being like this is the thing this is what I'm going to do next I can I just can feel it just need to follow it and then yeah and then that was that was the in entry point I did a job application went back to interview with Sam kind of just knew I was like I'm going to get this I just I can feel it like I know exactly what to say. I know exactly where he's gonna go wrong or not go wrong because I'd run a network and I'd seen how to run a network in a social change environment and how the organization constricts the potential. So I was like, if we have autonomy and we have flexibility and we have openness and we're more human with people and we engage on a real level rather than just pretending that we have the answers, which we didn't, then we can open up their potential and then we're going to have a crew of like autonomous pirates and that could be great and that will bring about social real change um so yeah i <laughs> this is a long story but yeah i i kind of he sam said um i've just received all these messages from people all over the world who've taken to my book be more pirate i'm at a, a personal crossroads as well i don't quite know what to do with it I need help and can you find out what they're doing and what does it mean to be pirate um, other than what I theoretically wrote in my book. <laughs> um, so that's what that's what the brief was to talk to people about how they'd applied their principles in Be More Pirate and, and what was really working and what, what wasn't, what rules were being broken. Um, and that's where I took, I took it from there and started to build out a network and a community and dig into their stories. And that's been... That's been a journey to the second book and all kinds of adventures. 
It's really interesting. We we just recently had a conversation um, and something that you said is very similar to something that we've, a conversation we've had with another guest. Um, the fact that when you first got that book, um, it, it, well, you weren't receptive to it. Or even when the first time you, you talked to Sam, uh, you know, it wasn't, you didn't hear the message. Um, we talked about that in the context of the book, um, The Women Who Run With Wolves, um, and how um, for the first time picking that up, it was, you know, yeah, I'm not sure I'm into this until, until the moment was right to hear the message um, of that book. And then it really hit home and was, was a powerful message. What, what do you think was the change that made you receptive to finally hearing the message um, of Be More Pirate? And, and what clicked in you at that moment? So that's a really good question. And that's something I've heard a lot, a lot from other people as well. I, in fact, had a conversation with a woman the other day who said, I picked up Be More Pirate two years ago. And it just, she's actually, I thought, well, I don't want this. And then some recently over lockdown, she got given it in a cab by a cab driver. Um, mm. And he was like, you got to read this. And she read it again. She was like, whoa. Anyway, for me, it was, um, I mean, if I'm honest, yeah, I didn't, I didn't, wasn't receptive to it. It wasn't that the messages in the book didn't mean anything. It was that I was put off by the, the branding and the cover because I felt that it was marketing over substance. Mm. Um, I just seen too many authors um, put forward an idea and not follow it through. So I think for me, the reason the message clicked when I could see the reality of it, when I could see how much it worked for other people um, rather than for myself. I mean, there's been lots of moments for me personally over the last two years. It actually grows every single day where I, I see the layers in Be More Pirate that I didn't see before. Mm -hmm. uh, around permission and what per permission really means deep down so I probably wasn't I definitely wasn't ready at the time to hear all of that and I love that it's such a process mm -hmm. um, it's just that there were lots of people who responded to the book who were at that moment and it was seeing them become so alive through the through the narrative through the um, you know this this kind of avatar of pirate it just made me it's what allowed me to get on board because I had had so had was done with theory, theoretical ideas about change. I just needed to see something that really enabled people to act. Um, and it's funny because you think I, I thought of it before, like oh, people need a, a framework or a, not even a framework, like they need a, a method, like a steps to follow. Be more pirate isn't like that. It's it's a story, really. It's a story mm -hmm. that, um, yeah, I guess gives people permission that. It's an it's a mindset unlocker <laughs> more than anything. <laughs> um, so, I mean, there were lots of moments in workshops I did with Sam, listening to Sam speak, talking to him about it. Um, this, there has been many many epiphanies that again a lot of them went into the second book for me that helped me to understand specifics about why it worked around why having a general code is better than having detailed rules, for example, or what it really means to be at the edges of the map and, and what that does to your mindset and things like that. Um, and things like around power, like I'm still massively exploring that subject of power. And, you know, I, for example, I don't think you can just 
structurally redistribute power like you, you know you can in an organization you can say i'm no longer the ceo i don't have complete control you are all free now but mm -hmm. people have got to feel free and that's a different piece of work to do so yeah so there's i don't know i don't think there's one particular moment that was the catalyst it's just lots and it's ongoing hmm. so when you took the the position working with sam did you still have um doubts about whether be more pirate was more um branding over substance or how did you reconcile those those doubts just to start working with him um no, I didn't. Actually, well, no, I didn't. I, ju I can't explain this, but I had a very, very strong gut feeling mm. that this was not, that whatever it was, I was meant to do something with it. <laughs> like, yeah. I really can't explain it other than that. I, I challenged Sam um, to make sure that A, he was somebody I could work with and was going to be sincere about it um, because written down some of the things that he had suggested about where we should take it contradicted my ideas about where we should take it like I was very very clear that this had to be about real relationships if you're going to ask me to form a network I'm not just going to create you a newsletter and a load of outputs and grow it meaninglessly because if it doesn't connect with people mm -hmm. um it's it's kind of meaningless mm -hmm. but the thing is it was so clear that it would connect with people once you actually read the book and 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 I mean, it was funny because even in the interview, he didn't have, a, when I asked him directly, like, who are your community as you see it at this stage? And he said, I don't, I don't really know. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't even know who I was going to be working with, really. Yeah. Um, but the idea was powerful and I could see the storytelling value in it. And I think, like I said, I, I love, I love storytelling. I, I love check, seeing social change through storytelling. And that had been so missing in the work that I'd done previously. I'd spent five or so years working alongside social entrepreneurs as part of my previous job and helping them, you know, I edited maybe hundreds of blogs about projects. And I noticed that people found it very difficult to tell a good story about the work they were doing. They could be incredible at delivering this, the work, mm -hmm. but drawing out the most, like, you know, weaponizing the story, as we'd say, drawing out the most powerful, impactful, authentic, real, human relatable parts of their story um and then speaking about it was was just very challenging and I didn't feel like I had free reign there to do that either um things had to be sort of structured or framed in a particular way so you know the fact that this was so bold um in how it told the story I think really appealed to me on some level I just wanted to make sure that um, that, yeah, that there was, there, I don't know, that there was going to be some substance, but I kind of knew I'd have to find that out anyway, that it was worth trying to find out. So mm. at the point of joining Sam, I was like, it, this is going to be worth the journey regardless. I think that was my, my overriding thought. Mm. No, for me, when I started reading the book, I was living the corporate life as a teacher, like on the way bottom end of the totem pole too, like uh, a childcare provider are way lower even than school teachers. So for me coming in that corporate world, like that, the book was helping to give me a voice um, within this situation of like, I am this person that 
is so far at the bottom. I feel like I have minimal voice. Um, and yeah, when I started to read the book, I was, it, it did start lending some of that space to, to have that voice and also reining in because for me, I'm like, I want to take on the department of education and bring them down. And then realizing no, you have to start small, <laughs> like to make the changes, you got to start, you can't going for the big thing is only going to tire you out instead of starting with what are the small actions I can take here to start working toward that change. So in that too, the, um, we've done a workshop with you where you've talked about uh, creating a pirate code. So what would you recommend for our listeners to do to create their own pirate code? Yeah. I mean, a pirate code encompasses, I think, two, two things, really. Um, first, you've got to understand your, your sense of identity, like your beliefs, I'd say desires and beliefs. People, some of them might say values. I think Sam in the book, original book uses, you know, what would you stand up and fight for? That can be a useful question to, um, to ask yourself. Some, some people find that too big a question, I think, to start with. Um, but I'd say, you know, unlocking the, the permission to want what you actually want is something that I notice in, as an, if we're talking about it as an individual, um, I notice so much restriction and limitation around um, who you actually want to be when you sit back and think about it. You know, you've, we've usually boxed ourselves into what we think is realistic for us based on all of our, you know, legacy and conditioning and all that. And then also, you know, what do we really believe in? Like what do we believe to be true about the world? Um, and then from there, you can kind of start to fashion out um, what's meaningful to you, what's important. Um, there are lots of different questions I think you can ask to unlock that. Um, some people like to go a bit hard and be like, what would I make sacrifices for here? And um, whereas sometimes, you know, just asking about desires and beliefs is, is, is simpler. Um, so that's kind of the starting point. And then, you know, the whole point of a code is about closing the gap between our intention or our our kind of core values um, and our actions, because most of us don't live in accordance to what we actually want, believe, or desire, or um, or value. Um, so it's like looking at those things. Well, how how is this actually being threaded through my life? Is it? And what would I maybe need to change to do that? Um, you know, I, I'm speaking now about it as on an individual level, mm -hmm. but you know, doing it in teams, it's about getting people together discuss as a group well what what actually is important to hear what actually is important to us here how have we lost our way because every single organization that I work with identifies a gap between what they say they value the, re the rhetoric and the reality and that is in that gap there is a hell of a lot of misery dissatisfaction um, and so much potential so much wasted potential so you know, that can be simple things like, you know, we say we prioritize this, but actually we spend all of our time over here, um, wasting our time with our meetings. And so the first step is, you know, getting it down to those small, bold actions and simple things. Let's cut out a day of meetings or make sure that that's free or give everyone 20% of time. And quite often it has been those simple bureaucratic actions or letting go of something that has been the first step. And sometimes it's been, you know, much more ambitious. It really depends on where you are on your pirate journey mm -hmm. and everywhere it's everyone is somewhere different so 
I always say that this is a very personal, I can't give you a formula for this. I can give you questions to ask and a kind of, you can figure out your compass, but I can't tell you exactly what to do here because it's, it's going to be personal based on your parameters for risk and your parameters for change and tolerance for it. Hmm. So, yeah. Um, but starting, you know, I think, I think especially for women, which I've been doing a bit of work on recently, is about letting yourself accept what you really want and owning what you believe in without tempering it, without trying to give caveats and apologize and constrict yourself. Um, and sometimes you have to do that on your own first mm-hmm. before you can even think about maybe telling someone else. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I think one of the things like Kristen and I, um, our pirate journey was so similar. I think that's one of the things that brought us together. We both, you know, last year and the beginning of this pandemic and we're in a lockdown we both had these corporate jobs and we're making money and we both quit um independently of you know we didn't talk about it it was just something that both happened so that we could go on and do what we really wanted to do because we realized these corporate jobs that we were doing were just they were just soul sucking right (laughs) they were just not fulfilling um and it's it's really interesting that we both gave ourselves that permission at the same time. And I think that's one of the things that really brought us together is the, the parallels of our, of our pirate journey. And which is really, which is really cool to have someone to share it with, even though you're going through it alone, if that makes Mm -hmm. sense. And I imagine, is that the, the point of the be more pirate community or what is, what is the goal in creating that the community movement? Hmm. Yeah, I think that solidarity is a big goal. Um, I would like that the, I think, yeah, I I believe that relationships are an end in themselves. I think finding one or two people who to sort of change the world with is critical, if that's what your goal is. I would like the community to do something to change the world, if I'm honest about my own ambitions for it. I and I have to sometimes remind Sam of this when we talk about it. I'm like, you know, social movements take time. They take years in the making to really develop. And, um, and you know, I think that lots of the people in our crew do change things on a day-to-day basis and have impact all the time. Would I like to see us do something that is more systemic change? Then yes, I would eventually. But um, so I suppose in my mind, back in my mind, that's kind of my goal. I would like them to... Um, get enough groundswell to do something that is recognizable to perhaps more people who've never heard of pirates. But in the meantime, it definitely provides community and solidarity and a sense of, um, yeah, being able to accrue to, to talk to about that process of what permission am I gonna give myself to, what am I gonna quit? I mean, a lot of the people in our pirate crew have quit jobs and some, you know, we always refer to it as like, oh, they're still in the Navy or they're, <laughs> they're free now. <laughs> um, you know, it happens, happens all the time. People sort of take the leap and then go back in. And we, we have a constant conversation as well about the benefits of, um, of, of working within the system to, to a degree and, and how actually rather than piracy being about out and out rebellion, it's actually sometimes about bridging the gap between an old and new paradigm um, 
particularly when it comes to thinking about ways of working together like piracy as as you guys know is is networked it's agile it's dynamic it's autonomous you know you, people have agency um we have democracy and that that is pretty much non-existent in most organizations so demonstrating it there's a new way in such a way that the people who are stuck in the old way can see it and hear it and respond to it it's very challenging you have to kind of bring people along um so you kind of have to be pirate but not too pirate <laughs> but no one hears you because that isn't actually that useful mm-hmm. uh, but it doesn't mean you're not being a pirate if, if you see what i mean mm-hmm. so that is a purpose of my of our community to me as well i don't want to just leave everybody behind who's still working within a system let's say the system you could call that education healthcare all the all the systems Mm -hmm. (laughs) um or business models that aren't working as well so yeah i think that's that's a that's a big purpose of it to be able to bridge be a bridge Mm -hmm. to a a newer and better way um through 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 how you show up Mm -hmm. What do you, yeah, how do you recommend the people in the system um, that feel so stuck in the mud, but, and they're wanting to see that change? um, How do you recommend for them to take those actions of being more pirate, helping to create the change, but maybe they're also at the bottom of the rung, like, CEOs way up here and um so they're they're the lower people and they want to see this change um what are some actions that you recommend that they can do within the system yeah um I'd say that there's two there's two ways that I usually recommend I had this conversation with someone the other day who works at um KPMG um who is who is sort of fairly fairly low down the rung um, and was complaining about the way that things are, the culture. And I just said, well, don't, have you ever talked to anyone else about your frustrations? If you're feeling them, no doubt someone else in your team is or other people are. And he was like, no, haven't done that. I was like, well, that's the first step is to, to just sound out some other people, you know, with the view to s- slowly forming a small group, <laughs> insurgency group. Um, yeah, I think that that's forming strong relationships with other people who share your your views. Um, ideally, your views, but not your your background necessarily. Like it's always beneficial to try and reach out to people who are quite maybe coming from quite different to you, but might might even sh- you know share your frustrations amplified. Um, so crew is one way just to start having the conversations, like and be as as open as as vulnerable as you can tolerate because that's the only way you're going to build any real trust if you just go in and um, without sharing anything of yourself they're not going to share back and you're not going to build it the other thing again I'm sure you guys probably know that I would recommend is is the small bold action point where you identify something you could do and even if you're not very senior um, something that is outside of what you would usually do that's why I would call it bold. It doesn't have to be so bold that you feel that anything big is at stake. That's really crucial. The, the second you start to feel that you might, it might veer into anxiety, don't do that because that's, it's all about understanding momentum and you have to pick something that will 
if if it succeeds will really be exciting for you if it doesn't succeed you might feel a bit flat or a bit like rejected or a bit defeated but you can handle that that's okay but you don't want it to like massively impact your you know your, your sense of security at this stage I'd say because we're talking about starting points mm-hmm. <laughs> um so that could be something like just emailing a senior person who you've never spoken to before but you're kind of like know that they're influential in some way and if you made that connection with them and they responded to your idea that could be the start of something I mean I literally Sam and I went in and did a workshop on this a couple of years ago at um, Penguin his publishers with a group of interns and we were like you know what are you what are you guys doing about building relationships with people who you're a bit afraid of and they were like nothing (laughs) (laughs) come on then like let's do that and then you know then we also got them to think about the crew idea it was like are you guys meeting every week outside of the office to talk about the experience that you're having here as a group of interns they were like no I was like get out of the office go somewhere interesting talk to each other share the knowledge because you'll be you'll be stronger that way so I think those are the two the two starting points um, to to do if you feel that you're stuck in the mud. Um, and there's lots of variations on small bold actions, you know. Um, that's something you have to decide for yourself. Um, I use just the example of emailing someone because that's just been a very common um, thing, a point of having a conversation and something that people find a bit scary, but isn't mm-hmm. likely to have any lasting bad consequences. <laughs> Yeah, what are some of the um, the bigger pitfalls you've may have come across or witnessed in people trying to um, create their their rebellion? What are some of the common mistakes? Yeah, number one, doing it alone. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> it really is. It's happened a couple of weeks ago. One of the pirates in the crew said, um, went into a big space where they were the like, you know the lone person trying to trying to challenge and just felt so deflated and and burnt out and started started questioning themselves so Mm. much from it and you know I said why didn't you bring in one of us or some of the some of the others in into it with you and they just like I just thought it she didn't think about it and Mm. so I think yeah doing not doing it alone is a big pitfall um I think that when it comes to asking difficult questions and challenging if you do it reactively as in you've built up your level of frustration, you seize the moment in the meeting and decide to be pirate or whatever confrontation it might be. It might be in a family situation or something. And you challenge without any sense, without any preparation, without <laughs> any prior thought, then that can, that can you can fall pretty quickly. Mm-hmm. And then, then you lose all your momentum because you think, well, being pirate didn't work. But how you challenge is is so critical. Um, there are constructive and you know constru- yeah constructive ways to voice your your argument and your um, the expression of your frustration, um, your challenge to somebody. So pra- actually practicing that, like using the crew idea of a, as a sounding board, is mm-hmm. something that I've seen other crews do, and I think is is really vital. And I say you know that same goes for just an individual trying to um, express, I, I see this all the time in workshops, Ex- whether it's expressing a challenge, um, a difficult question, or, or 
more a basic belief about what is happening here. Like what, what, is the, what are the rules? Or what are the rules that I want to break? If it's the first time it's ever come out of your mouth, chances are you're gonna be really unsure about how you say it. And so taking the time to go over that with someone else and say, how does it sound when it's like this? Or is there a different way I could phrase this? And um, it sounds so simple, but I definitely see that as a pitfall because the second you lose your confidence in what you're saying, um, you lose confidence almost in the idea and the idea of, of being able to challenge anything. Yeah, it's we. I mean, we all have a common coach, Mark England, <laughs> yeah. and um, with the Unlifted program. Um, one of the things he drills into us is we need to um, to draft and then craft, yeah. right? Your first draft of anything, whether that be a school assignment or your pirate rebellion, um, if you know handling in that first draft is it's not it's not ready yet. Right. And then you get to take time to craft it and perfect it and then practice it. And that's why we love um, walk and talks, you know, practicing your speech. What do you want to say when you're on a walk? Because walking, walking is integration, as Mark would say. Um, so I love that you you this is mirrored in in, you know, be more pirate and, and creating your rebellion is, you know, the first draft is not necessarily the your best work <laughs> you craft your message yeah and that's why this that's why you know joining in lifted and becoming part of this community was so appropriate <laughs> because yeah. i kind of tried to see all this all this happening anyway um but that but but also that is a huge part of the pirate mentality and helping people to become okay with that i think if you're going to talk about a pitfall as well our attachment to perfectionism mm. um it particularly in, in the i don't know how it is in the us but in the uk like in the way that you're schooled um to almost always produce perfect outcomes first time and that being repeated through people in people's careers mm -hmm. uh it's you know switching to the mentality of constant drafting and experimentation mm -hmm. and, and kind of enjoying the failure because you're learning something i found that really hard that's been a big part of my 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 pirate my inner pirate work um but i see it with other with other people um a lot of the time um so yeah it's uh it's accepting that that's this is the only way i think <laughs> um, yeah. yeah and one thing too with like, yes, there's just taking those small, bold actions. And then there's also that realization of this starts with you because nobody's going to come and rescue you out of the situation. If you want things to change, whatever rebellion you want to create, you need to create within yourself first. So yeah, for with that as well, like for you, what rebellion did you have to create in yourself in order to become more pirate? The biggest rebellion for me has been becoming not a workaholic. <laughs> um, I really, really, um, I, it's really interesting. It's been, a, and, it, and COVID has helped a lot. It's been a process. And I definitely wasn't out of it in the um, first year of doing Be More Pirate at all. In fact, I was 
I was almost compounding it. But but while I was doing the material and learning at the same time, knowing internally that there was this kind of dissonance happening within me where I was like, I'm doing, I'm talking about this stuff over here and I'm not practicing it over here. And knowing that it had to change at some point, but not knowing at what point it would. And when the pandemic hit, I think I was like, wow, this is, this is kind of great. <laughs> um, because for me, what, what that really meant was an understanding that I had been trying to like beat a failing system. I had been trying to optimize myself so much when the system itself, the, 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 the kind of, when I say the system, I mean all the norms around work, around how long you should work for how long, that the feeling that I, and I mean this in a genuine bodily felt sensation that I had gotten to the point where when I wasn't working I didn't feel good and when I was working I did feel good in my body which is a, mm. which has meant that I almost couldn't enjoy leisure time properly mm. and that is not good but it, it had been you know a system of reward and punishment over so many years that I uh, f through a whole host of different people and situations that it's hard to um, like decondition yourself. It's hard to unlearn it. it. It just takes time. And so I even notice it, you know, sometimes now when I'm not working within nine to five hours, I feel like a sense of like pressure, um, even though I have absolutely no, no reason to do it. <laughs> I, I, you know, I, I can set my own hours. I know that I, I don't have, you know, my, my work is freelance. So I, I work when I work and then when I'm not, I can do other things, but it's just so it's, it's really an emotion, like an emotionally conditioned thing. I can't explain it or, or a body thing. So I'm not sure if that's the most coherent explanation, <laughs> but it's definitely the, um, the, the inner permission that I have to give myself all the time to keep explaining to myself everything you've been taught about how work should work isn't isn't necessarily true mm -hmm. you don't have to do it this way you don't have to work for this long you don't have to you also crucially don't have to dislike your work like that <laughs> <laughs> genuinely like when I'm not when I don't have a set amount of boring admin tasks in my week I start to feel a bit edgy like I haven't really done anything <laughs> it's bizarre and it's and it's I just realized it's just a case of being taught that way for a very very long time mm. yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah there's there's an expectation around productivity and when we're not product productive then that, that can produce anxiety because then it's like, well, what, what am I, what is my worth here if I'm not producing something? And I totally under, understand that. And um, I know even for, for myself, speaking for myself, it's almost worse as an entrepreneur <laughs> because now I'm like, well, if I don't work, no one's going to work on this business, right? Oh, yeah. um, versus like when, you know, it wasn't a corporate job or in the Navy, there's always someone else to pick up pick up a shift or or to pick up the slack or what have you so it, it can 
it can amplify. And, and I identify with what you're saying, because that's, that's the lesson that I'm learning right now. And it was, you know, for me, it was my partner and almost a, you know, a forced day off on Sundays so that I can be with, with the fam- him and the family. Um, and at first that was a lot of anxiety producing. I'm like, you know how much stuff I could do on a, on a Sunday? I mean, especially now Kristen and I have, you know, four <laughs> podcasts to, to get through. <laughs> um, yeah. But yeah, it's, it's an interesting thing to, to put down that, um, that, that constant need for productivity. But I think it was also being, stepping properly into the entrepreneurial space that made me do it as well because I thought I could just keep going forever there's no end to my job now it's all on me and there's no end so Mm. this could have been a really bad path Mm. if I didn't take stock Mm. um but but beyond that it was the it was the pirate idea that let me really understand that I could question all of the norms and the rules that I'd grown up with um and I could give myself permission to do it entirely differently and that was honestly just radical I can't (laughs) you want that the epiphany moment like that that was radical for me and you know it also comes it's not not just from school it's my my parents my parents were insanely productive like the the most productive people Mm -hmm. and I love them dearly and they're like the best parents ever but I have to acknowledge that and they know they acknowledge this too that they've drilled in um, a sense of slight anxiety <laughs> when you're not you're not productive mm-hmm. it's um it's interesting we we did some story work around around that right like what do you learn about this from your mother what do you learn about this from from your father what do you learn about money right and it's it's interesting that um those money stories can be related back to, to our parents and how, you know, you have to work hard, um, and, you know, multiple jobs in order to earn the money that, that earning, earning a living has to be hard is what it boils down to. And to break that story that it doesn't have to be hard. Earning money can be, or earning a living could be fun. That's novel. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> how many people have fun at their jobs um yeah it's it's interesting to, to combine like what you're talking with with about with just story work and what we do with with the unlifted stuff right yeah. um has there been because i know that you've done some of the unlifted and some of the story work has there been a pivotal um story that you've worked through that's um kind of related to to being more pirate that you care to share with us? If I'm honest with you, I haven't worked through any anything to do with Be More Pirate mm. so much. Because I'm, I'm relatively clear on... I think, I, I mean, I worked through some of the work stuff that I've just mm-hmm. sort of explained. Um, the, the things that I have... Um, okay, so I'm not going to share the whole story because it's a bit personal. Yeah. Um, for here but I definitely did um, work through some story work on why I found it difficult to maybe step into the limelight a bit Mm. around talking about it because now you know because I do podcasts like this and Mm -hmm. it's quite it was quite an unusual jump for me to go from being an employee a relatively 
non-important employee in an organization Mm. to working for an author who had a certain level of you know gravitas and um attention Mm -hmm. and then to suddenly find yourself kind of moving into that space a bit more um without really knowing how to own it Mm. um or feeling that you didn't necessarily deserve it so that was some story work to work through. Where did that come from? At what point did I, 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 you know, I identified moments where, at what point did I stop wanting to be in the line? Like what happened around that? Mm-hmm. And there was some stuff. So that was really interesting. That was a real click moment to think about what, why that happened mm. and how I can, can let go of it. So yeah, that's, that's been a part of um, the journey. <laughs> but yeah I don't want to don't want to go into in too much depth yeah <laughs> <laughs> oh we know how personal that story work can get <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. deep mm-hmm. <laughs> so in in a nutshell can you just tell us what what does it mean to you to be more pirate it's a pretty general question but I think being more pirate in essence is about giving yourself permission. Mm. We often use pirates as a proxy word for permission because I think it does boil down to that. Mm-hmm. Um, the mindset is the probably the most important part of it. And I've just used so much soft language there. <laughs> Acknowledged. <laughs> it is the most important part because without that, you don't go on to do things, the rebellion, the crew building, all of the essential steps that come later, building your code, venturing off the edges of the map, making real change comes first from within. I, I do believe that. And, you know, it depends on how, how deep you want to go, but um, it is, it, it starts with permission. One of the things I really loved um, that you talked about, and I say talked about because I'm listening to it on audiobook, um, on, and How to Be More Pirate, which is the second book, mm-hmm. um, is um, the difference between, you know, having a, a compass and having a map. Mm-hmm. Um, will you kind of I- explain what the difference of that is for our listeners, the difference between having a map and, and following a compass? Yes. That sort of relates to the idea of the code and we, I guess, in mainstream and conventional um, planning, we like to have a map. We like to identify ourselves at point A and try to get to point B and actually look at what, what is in between. You know, if you think about a map, you've got usually a road, several roads, options, and you can see what's, what's there along the way. But life is not like that. <laughs> we don't know <laughs> along the way most of the time we can make a plan perhaps and and I think this is kind of where we fall into a trap we imagine that it will be five years this job two years later this marriage etc etc and some for some people it, it works out like that but for mo- for so many of us it, it doesn't a compass is something to is something different to navigate by that is about identifying a lot of that stuff I said at the beginning around who am I um, knowing that, knowing that more than beyond 
the status points that you've been given or you've inherited from your your I don't know your your class background, your race, your religion, your gender. Get rid of all that. Like, who am I? Mm. Um, what do I want? Again, what do I be, what do I believe in? What's valuable to me here? What drives me? Um, and be really honest about that. And then you form your compass, like the points that you can come back to if you start to veer off track. Um, so, and, and I genuinely did this. To, to add a bit to the to the origin story of how I got here, <laughs> I remember sitting in um, sitting in the British Library, which is the, the big biggest library in London, and I used to go there all the time when I was at university. It's quite, it's like quite a nice space to work in, and you can just drift in there and and work in free. And I was at the point when I was really on the cusp of quitting everything, and I was like, well, if I don't want this, I don't want this domestic life that I've built up for myself with my comfortable job and my comfortable relationship and flat what the hell do I want like genuinely like what is it and I wrote down some I wrote down the first word I wrote down was adventure mm. that's just what came to mind and then I tried to break it down a bit more I was like what do I mean by adventure I mean excitement I mean learning I mean connections and serendipity like that's what it fe- would feel like to me and that's what I want back in my life so desperately and that was a compass, weirdly. Um, it did help me to navigate the next steps. I could see the opportunities more clearly because I could match them to the conditions that I wanted. So in, I made the choices about the jobs that I took and what I was looking for on that basis, rather than going, oh, I should aim for a job in this industry because that's the industry that I've come from, or mm. I should go for this job title because that's a step up from where I was. I just ignored all of that and I looked at the conditions that I was trying to create in my life and I think that's that's the idea of a compass as opposed to a map mm. um and I had there was a really nice moment in one of the uh, in the code workshop we did with all the coaches last week where we talked about the you know if you think of yourself in the present and you've got the future laid out for you and ideally the future is is totally unknown territory it's all uncertain and that's okay if you've got your compass however the past is mapped and that's the problem mm-hmm. because that's where all the stories are they're too mapped out <laughs> and the, the guy in the in the i think it was i think it's mike in the workshop he said this he goes and we've got but the great thing is is that they are mapped and we just need to start putting pins on the map to identify places we've been mm-hmm. and once we know the pins we can start to unpin them I was like, that's such a brilliant mm. imagery for this work. It was really beautiful. Mm-hmm. Yeah, part of like being more pirate and part of doing the story work, they, they go so well hand in hand because on both of them, you're looking to re- rewrite those stories to create a grand adventure of my life. Like I get to be the author of my life. I get to push the boundaries and go to the edges of the map, go slay some dragons and um, create that adventure. And that's, that's exciting. And I love that you are promoting that in the community and helping people, supporting them with getting started on their adventures. Mm. yeah I one of the things I try to say when I'm working again with with businesses you know 
I ultimately would like them to use their, you know, create their own rules, rewrite their own rules. But if I ask myself honestly, like, what is my agenda here? Where do I think we should be going with the mutinies that we're inciting in organisations? <laughs> you know, I want, I don't think that business is fit for purpose for the 21st century. I want business to become regenerative. And I mean that for people and for planet. So I don't think we can get to a regenerative regenerative business for planet if we don't tackle the people stuff as well. So people have to feel, you know, that they, they want to be there and that they're, they're doing something good and feel purposeful. Um, but um, I don't know where I was going with this now. I completely lost my train of thought. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. um, what was it? What, what were you just saying, Kristen? Um, creating adventures. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah. Oh, that's what I was going to say is that I think that, um, in creating regenerative businesses, rather than them looking at that, like, oh my God, like, how are we going to create profit whilst also becoming carbon neutral? And, you know, those are the kind of challenges that, that come up and they say, we can't possibly change how we do things like quickly because, it will affect this and it will affect this and all that. And I, and I appreciate that difficult decisions have to be made if, if you let go of orthodoxies, but it's also exciting. It's about, you know, what if you could be the pioneer here? Like what if there's a doorway that's just opening and, and why is it that you feel that your, your team lack the creativity, the imagination, the intelligence to, to take this challenge on? If, if you focused on that, made it your priority, and decided we are going to be the pioneers here. That I think is just, is an adventure that people should go on. Um, mm-hmm. I think so again, I think they just need to be given permission and be given a bit of a kick. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, we've seen that happen. We've seen that happen with, with Be More Pirate, um, that it has opened that doorway. Um, doesn't always work, but um, I, that's, yeah, that's how I, I definitely see it as a sort of double-edged sword as like there there is fear um and uh one of the book actually one of the books that I, I started reading over christmas or I, I read over christmas just as i was starting the enlifted work was a book called playing big by tara moore i don't know if you've heard of that she talks quite a bit about language but she also i'd never heard this before but she describes that there are two words for fear um in hebrew and I'm, I'm not going to repeat them because I can't remember them exactly. I'll mispronounce them. But the point is that there's kind of lizard brain fear that is the biological urge to protect yourself, which is, you know, the, the kind of tiger coming to get you. But there's also this other kind of fear, or at least in this lang- in Hebrew, the language, they identify it as a separate thing, which is when you are in a space of expanding, mm. which I thought was a really nice, like, description of what I what I see and explain to people in the workshops about what the edge of the map space is it's not total anxiety all-consuming death trap fear it's expansion fear and you should be you should be trying to be there often (laughs) yeah that was actually my next question what does it mean to be at the edge of the map it means to be in the unknown really in the unknown Mm-hmm. Um, and 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 try to get comfortable with it. Like, if you're not in the unknown, you're in the known. 
-hmm. and therefore you're not doing anything new or potentially exciting I think um and obviously you know there are degrees to which you can do that you don't have to be unknown about absolutely everything you could be unknown about one thing you know if you're talking about a project so you don't have to yeah um cross over into into that anxiety fear but that this is the whole point about innovation and you know we get hired to do workshops around innovation and people love that word and it used to just one of the pirates always says to me she like oh, innovation porn like when they just <laughs> roll out this whole program about innovation knowing full well that nobody wants to get uncomfortable and nobody wants to be in the unknown mm -hmm. but it has to be about discovery because if you're not discovering and, then, and you know i also hear people saying oh we want to be the next Steve Jobs and I'm like Steve Jobs sat in his bloody garage quit his job quit university like he was in the unknown he was very much in the unknown mm -hmm. <laughs> for a long time mm -hmm. um you know to, to to try to give an example of a, of a classic innovator um and then it and then you know Apple became the navy but and that's how the cycle works you know <laughs> of, mm -hmm. of change. but yeah that's that's really what it means to me um being willing to feel your way through the dark mm love that oh i was just saying i love that <laughs> it looked like quran you had a question nope <laughs> <laughs> well then our question is yeah thank you alex for all of this um first where can the listeners go to find out more about you and then also in that like is there anything we can do to support you um so you can find Everything about Be More Pirate on BeMorePirate.com. Um, we're on Instagram at BeMorePirate, Twitter at BeMorePirate. They're the only social media channels I we actually maintain. Um, and we have just released our podcast. So I think that that's the, the kind of the thing that I'm keen on promoting at the moment or mm -hmm. sharing with people um, because it's just sort of out and we're interviewing more people that we think are pirate um today actually we recorded a new a new episode with some two incredible guys who are really really innovating in healthcare mm. um but are very pirate about it like their attitude is just spot on and you know over here in the uk it is a big like our national health service is a big deal mm -hmm. um it's been a big it was a big deal before the pandemic but it even more so now. It's been underfunded for many, many years by our current and former governments. And yet it's kind of a national treasure, but it's also a bit kind of, there's a lot of, let's say, slightly meaningless management going on. And so a combination of bureaucratic divisions, hierarchy, and, you know, lots of, lots of, lots of rules. It's a very interesting place for pirates. And these guys have just smashed it out of the water. Um, mm. Some of the stuff that they've achieved um, through the pandemic is quite remarkable. And I'm really happy to kind of share their story through our podcast. So that's something I'd love to, yeah, mm. to sort of share with, with um, through other networks. Um, mm -hmm. But um, yeah, you can, you know, there's, there's on the website, I've kind of got a, a little map of our community. There's like more and more people adding themselves every day. I have no idea where some of the people come from, which is amazing. <laughs> um, we hold like regular meetups 
Um, should anyone ever want to drop in uh, and just like come and chat to some pirates. The next one we're doing is on the 18th of May, which will be, we're doing a new series um, of like little debates around um, different um, provocations. So to do with work mainly. So it's like some of the stuff that we think about at work that we think is a given, like getting someone to argue for and someone against, and then like looking at the different perspectives on it to, yeah, kind of create some conversation. So the first one is going to be purpose at work is a con. Mm. <laughs> it's got like a, yeah, some people who really believe that purpose is the core of everything and some who think it's all purpose washing bullshit. <laughs> so that's fun <laughs> so yes there's there's like lots of yeah fun stuff going on mm -hmm. that is a lot of things and i'm excited to listen to the podcast too yeah <laughs> yeah it's all good mm -hmm. it's super lovely to to um talk to you guys you yeah. too before we let you go um one important question alex do you know any good pirate jokes um Oh God, there's loads. There's so many. <laughs> uh, if you I don't have, oh, go ahead. Um, I can't. I can't get ready for the moment. Okay, we always have one in hand, just in case. <laughs> so, uh, why does it take pirates so long to learn the alphabet? Something to do with R, maybe. No, no, because they can spend years at sea. Oh, <laughs> that's really good. Really good. Yeah, I think I've zoned out of like the, the pirate puns and things. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I'm just getting started. Cheesy. <laughs> yes, starting a pirate living. I'm so happy that um, I, I just literally love it when some people take on board the pirate brand so so much like mm. and it becomes part of their brand mm -hmm. people what's so funny is people always ask me like oh don't you worry about people stealing the ideas and I'm like oh my god please steal the ideas <laughs> that's the whole purpose of this <laughs> like take it and run with it and become your own brand of pirate great mm -hmm. like mm -hmm. and more you know that's that is the goal that's another goal of the community <laughs> just yeah. reinvent pirates as your own mm -hmm. it's the pirate way yeah, yeah. <laughs> That's how we become like a really strong fleet mm -hmm. uh, or international criminal organization. <laughs> Very not criminal, but you know, international uh, movement. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Well, yeah, thanks again for this, for hanging with us, especially it's late for you. So thank you for giving us your time. Pleasure. Um, I feel like there's probably a million other things I would have wanted to say, but. Um... <laughs> We'll just have to have you on again. Uh -huh. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I've got yeah loads of things in the pipeline we're going to develop, and um, I'm, I'm, yeah, just hoping over the next year or so to build up a bit more resource within Be More Pirate to help, get some help. Um, like you know, I want to do, I want to do like a retreat, like I say, a retreat, no, like a re like a residential type um, thing where we do d different types of workshops over a long weekend or a week. Um, yeah, there's just loads of stuff that I want to work on. So, mm -hmm. yeah. well, hopefully, we can travel to join you. Mm -hmm. 
my god <laughs> one day festival. <laughs> yes that'd be so good um, yeah. <laughs> definitely yeah awesome well thank you so much for this wonderful conversation and uh we'll be tuning into your podcast as well and uh can't wait to hear more thank you for listening to pirate living podcast if you enjoyed listening to this episode make sure to like and subscribe to our podcast and follow us on instagram at pirate living podcast to keep up on the latest community news and find out about our coaching programs and until next time keep creating good trouble <laughs>